Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I think it's false advertising and the FCC should do something about it. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. That's going to be hard to yank him out of there right now. So, you know, he's playing good and, um, you know, I still have really high hopes for Teddy. And, you know, thing, a lot of things happen throughout the course of this season. So we'll just see how it goes. Uh, we've, we've asked for people to chime in with their thoughts on how the Vikings season is going to end knowing the history of the franchise, but also knowing how good this team is. And, and the poll results on the 1500 ESPN Twitter page have 32% say Super Bowl championship. And then the other ones are some combination of either a devastating interception, a Kai Forbath miss, or the Patriots dismantling you in the Super Bowl. Uh, so, all right, here is here is uh, just a few more uh, from our Twitter mentions here. Let's see. Teddy leads the potential game-winning drive only to hold the ball too long, gets sacked, and loses the ball. Viking season done. Uh, Packers trade Rodgers to any team that could possibly stop us from winning the NFC Championship game. All right. Good thing the trade deadline. We know that can't happen. That's good at least. Uh, Jay Miller says, dude, you already know the answer to this. Odds, 33% chance Hail Mary victim. 33% chance Vikings throw game uh, ending interception. Yeah. Thirty-three percent chance Vikes miss a field goal, and one percent chance Vikings either win it all or force out rule. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, I can't. This is not a. But yeah, let's get the point. So I'm telling you, we have to purge the fears. We have to purge the fears. We have to get past these things. <laughs> we have to get them out now, so that when success comes via a defense that's pretty doggone good. We can embrace it, accept it. We're so we're so used to catastrophic things happening to this team. We have to prepare ourselves. What what if it doesn't happen? What if something good happens? What if everything goes right for once? I mean, it's bound to happen once in a while, right? Am I wrong? Uh, well, the, yeah, the law of averages would suggest I mean, at some point. Yeah, something? the Cubs won a World Series, yes. so at some point it all comes around. Been around since 1961. Uh, Hugh says, it ends with Matthew Collar coming on the show, telling us all that Bridgewater's three interceptions are not the reason the Vikings <laughs> lost the Super Bowl. That, in fact, it's Keenum's fault, because while he looked engaged on the bench, he was overrated, oh. blah, blah, blah. Um, that's pretty good stuff. Hey, I did a little digging before the show. Because the Vikings formula seems to be pretty similar to the you know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Brad Johnson, the the really good defense and question mark at quarterback formula, mm-hmm. where you, it's not exactly 
Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre or Tom Brady or Peyton Manning at the helm or Drew Brees. It's it's like a league average-ish quarterback or something below that that you're trying to ride to the Super Bowl. And, and, and how good does your defense have to be? And the question I tried to answer was, has the Vikings defense reached the level of other Super Bowl winning great defenses that didn't have great quarterbacks? All right. And I just went back to 2000. The answer is no, it hasn't. And we'll we'll get to that in just a second here. But I went through and I just took scoring defense, yards per play, turnovers created, and opposing passer rating. So how good were you against the pass? And just for fun, I threw in a fifth category, shutouts. How many defensive shutouts did you have? The 2000 Ravens and the 2002 Buccaneers were next level. Just what we recall in our heads. And the Vikings aren't in the same league defensively as, as those two right now. There's still some season left, but... But those are next-level defenses. So the 2000 Ravens had Trent Dilfer and Tony Banks as quarterbacks, and it didn't matter. You could put anyone back there because they were number one in scoring defense, number two in yardage defense, yards per play, number one in turnovers created, and they were number three in opposing passer rating, but it was 11 touchdowns thrown against them and 23 interceptions, and they pitched four shutouts. Mm -hmm. So one time a month they pitched a shutout defensively. Mm -hmm. And then they pitched a number of other like seven point, three point, nine point games defensively. So as so this is and to be fair, as great as those defenses were, the era was not the same. No, but I'm giving you rankings. Right. I'm not giving you like I'm saying they were number one in scoring defense. So yeah, the the era was different, right. but per, to that era they were number one mm-hmm. in scoring defense. All right. Uh easier to pitch a shutout, but you know. Uh two thousand two Buccaneers. Number one in scoring defense, number one in yards per play, number three in turnovers created, and number one in opposing passer rating. Ten touchdowns allowed, 31 interceptions. They averaged two interceptions per game in the regular season, and they pitched two shutouts that season. Uh, Where do the Vikings stack up compared to those teams? Well, they're fourth in scoring defense, third in yards per play, so very, very good. 20th in turnovers created. Ninth in opposing passer rating, mm-hmm. and they haven't pitched a shutout. In fact, I think they haven't allowed single-digit points yet. So it's a very, very good defense. It's not the best defense in the NFL by really any meaningful measurement, but it's really close, and there's still some season left, so we shall see. But to college point, is it good enough? Is It isn't a historically good defense, but is it a good enough defense that coupled with an offense that is very functional— and actually pretty good, not great, but good, is that enough to get you to the championship game? Yes. Is that enough to get is. you a Super Bowl berth? Uh, there's a couple other examples, too. Recently, more recently, the 2013 Seahawks with, you know, that's that's Russell Wilson, but it was second-year Russell Wilson, so it was kind of training wheels Russell Wilson. That was the number one scoring defense, the number one yardage defense, the number one turnover defense. And the number one opposing passer rating defense. They also picked off almost two interceptions per game. There's 28 on the season. Are you with me on the the one thing that surprises me about about the Vikings defense this year is if you were to tell me, if you were to explain to me how good they were and give me most of those stats, 
I would tell you that I, I was fairly certain that they were in the top 10 in either recovering fumbles or getting picks. That's the, the only thing that surprises me is that is that uh, their turnover dip differential is not plus more. That it's pretty, I think it's like a plus three or something like that. But uh, they yeah. don't force more turnovers. Yeah, it feels, that's one area where they can definitely make up ground. You know, they're... They're pretty stout yardage. You know, point they don't allow a lot of points for the most part. The game against Washington got a little crazy, thirty plus points. But yeah, I would have thought, oh, that's probably. Or I guess if you would have asked me, are they top fifteen in in takeaways? I would have said, yeah, I think so. But they're twentieth. Yep. So like, if they want to be, and then I'll give you one more here: the two thousand fifteen Denver Broncos, which had Brock Osweiler for six games and last legs Peyton Manning. And that was the number four scoring defense, the number one yardage defense, yards per play, eighth in turnovers created, and uh, fourth in opposing passer rating. It felt like they got better as they went along, mm-hmm. and uh, they were very good against Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers in the Super Bowl. So, But I don't think the Vikings defense is on the level of the Seahawks from five years ago, the you know the Bron- the uh, the Buccaneers from 15 years ago. It's not like those are the best defenses of sure. the last— 20 years or so. Sure. They're not, they're, I mean, they, they have work to do to catch the Jaguars this year. But but to your question, their offense has been good enough, that quarterback or offense to defense ratio that you need to win a Super Bowl. Right. Because um, the Baltimore, I think, I think it's good enough. The Baltimore and, and Tampa comparisons are, are offenses that weren't that good, really. So the defense had, especially in the case of Baltimore, had to carry them almost completely. These guys are, are, offensively good enough and and that's why the offensive conversations are legit because that's the crucial thing like you can't this offense can't go in the tank and if something if this offense goes sideways at all it's going to be a problem you can't just you can't just ha- have this offense not produce you don't need them to be great they have to maintain where they're at them 651-646-8255-877-615-1500 hey howard you're comparing apples to oranges, Well, I'd like to disagree. You have the rules have changed so much to favor the offense. You aren't seeing the shutouts you used to. There used to be eight shutouts a year. Back in the early, in 2019-90s, you used to see 13 to 15 shutouts a year. So you're seeing way less shutouts. That, that's point one. Point two, this wide receiver team is better than any of the groups of wide receivers at Baltimore or Tampa or anybody had. So, yes, your question is your differential between points allowed over points scored. And see, teams protect the ball more. You don't see a lot of interceptions unless you're looking at the Buffalo quarterback anymore. So you're not going to see the interceptions, per se, that you saw back 15 years ago. It just isn't there. I mean, Brady's thrown two interceptions this year. Case has thrown two interceptions, three interceptions. You don't see the the interceptions that you used to. So you're, you're, you're comparing stats that really aren't comparable. Well, Thanks, yeah, I, I I got lost there a little bit because okay. well, I, first okay, of the, all, the shutouts thing is that that was literally just like yeah. First of all, to pump the tires of the Ravens. The wide, wide receiver topic that he brought up is exactly what I'm saying, which is this offense is pretty good. This Vikings offense is not great, but it's pretty good. They are very functional. Thielen and Diggs are very good. They've got a passing game. So so if what you're trying to say is that if you put Tony Banks back in the league today or a comparable player, 
I do agree. If you if you're going to tell me that that formula couldn't get you to a, a Super Bowl again or a championship again, I probably do agree because that things have changed. But what you're looking at with the Vikings is can you take what is a very very good defense, probably not great, certainly not a generational defense, but a very good one. Can you couple it with an offense that looks to be extremely functional on a weekly basis and can score points and and might not have a superstar quarterback? And can you win a Super Bowl? And the, and in in that case, what you do is in 2017. Now you come close to saying, okay, what other examples do we have? Yeah, and we That's both agree that the off this offense is better than the 2000 Ravens offense, absolutely. But that was that defense was two levels, multiple levels above what this defense is. Uh, and yeah, like a couple of people are tweeting in, well, they just held the Rams to single digits. Of course, this is a really good defense. Uh, can they can they hold? Well, yeah, I said they haven't held anyone to single digits until this week, I should I should add. Until this week with the Rams. And that's the most impressive performance they've put out there all year so far. On the shutouts thing, just to split hairs, um, that it's it was harder to pitch shutouts. Like the 2000 Ravens pitched four shutouts. Shutouts. Yeah. Against professional football teams. That's incredible. Uh, that it was a lot easier to pitch shutouts in 2000 than it is right now. Um, that's statistically incorrect. I mean, it's... A little more difficult, but the average team in the NFL in 2000 scored 20 points per game. The average team in today's NFL scores 22 points per game. Mm -hmm. So the way in which teams score points is changing a lot. There's a lot more aerial attack, a lot more shotgun. It's not lined up eye formation like it was 20 years ago. It's geared towards that. But it ain't like teams are averaging 30 points per game. The average score per game Mm -hmm. is up about... Two points per team per game. Sure. So, like to say, it was a lot easier to pitch shutouts and to discredit but the Ravens shu- in two thousand. Like, that's is, not necessarily four true. shutouts is still incredible. Uh, that, yeah, I think Howard is saying it was a lot easier to pitch those shutouts. And like the Vikings, of course, aren't going to have. No, no, the Ravens are a better defense, and the and the Bucks are a better defense. Yes. So, yeah, just a little context. Uh, Dave, you got some questions for us when we come back? Yes, I do. I want to ask you guys about tearful apologies. And, well, reports of theft, thievery in our midst. Gentlemen, we need to hash out. Now the team's lined up for the kickoff. Referee blows his whistle. Mackie and Judd now continue. And the game is on. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Mackie and Judd. Dave Harrigan with some questions to throw at us here. What do you got? Yeah, there were tears in Oklahoma yesterday, boys. Did you see the Baker Mayfield antics from Saturday in the game against Kansas? Yes, I did. What's his deal? Yeah, the Kansas folks, uh, captains, didn't shake his hand at the beginning of the game, and there was a late hit that was very late on him, and he responded with, you know, grabbing the crotch and talking trash. And he did have the good line to the Kansas fans about, you've only got one win. How about you stick to basketball? That I was saw that. Good. Why didn't the, the Kansas players shake his hand? I didn't. The kids, too. Or didn't he go to shake, like, one of the kids' hands? Weren't there little kids out there? There were kids out there. I guess I don't know if he was looking towards the kids or the like, captains. Was, but, yeah. Why? I, I don't. Because it's dumb. I don't know. I mean, you're Kansas. You suck at football. Shake hands. 
Well, I agree with you. I'm not I mean, going to argue. No, I don't but, know why I mean, they made got that choice. No business pulling off Tood in that case. I, I think the kids ignored him too. It was like uh, the the players and the kids all ignored his handshake. No so. business pulling off Tood. No business pulling Tood if you're Kansas football. Yeah, can't do that too. Shake hands. Anyway, Baker Mayfield. He will not be starting for the Sooners this coming Saturday on Senior Day. He will not be a captain. This was part of the very tearful speech he gave in front of the media. Set it up to the game. The big thing for me is the, the legacy I want to leave. And so thinking about, you know, once again, the people I let down, um, the, the, the kids that watch that, the, the parents that um, had their kids watching that, it's it's been tough. So it's a twofold question. A, from Saturday, are you on Team Jayhawk or Team Mayfield? And do you buy the apology at all? Um, I'll go first. I'll start with the second one. Absolutely not. No, I think he's a cocky kid. I think he's a brash QB type and felt disrespected, so he grabbed his crotch. And I think he's sorry. I think he's very sorry. sorry. He's not going to start. My bad. So he's very so. Yes, he's he's very sorry for himself. Um, and then if but if Kansas wouldn't shake his hand, you know what? I'm on Team Baker. You, you, you're an embarrassment of a football program. You're really going to get out there and not shake hands. Mayfield might not, not have been right, but Kansas football? Give me a break. He's not sorry. I'm, He's sorry for himself. Here's why I'm, uh, I'm anti-Baker Mayfield in this scenario. I think if you were truly top caliber, like we're talking NFL for him here, right? I mean, he's one of the top quarterback prospects in the world right now. And if you feel disrespected by one of your opponents, I don't think you have to make like when he did it twice at center field or at midfield during the handshake thing. He he reacts all, you know, puts his arms in the air, oh, not getting my handshake. And he's all demonstrative. And then he does the crotch thing on the sidelines. Be a little more subtle. Go destroy them on the field. Be a little more subtle. Remember when Aaron Rodgers just put a bottle of purple crush on the podium. Yes. You know, little things like that. I drink that after every game. Just take a little yeah, subtle shot there. here and there. So I think the maturity is in question at best with Baker Mayfield. And it and it's conflicting because you look at the if you just look at the guy on paper and you see, holy crap, seventy percent completions. He's gonna throw for four thousand plus yards. He's gonna wind up with forty touchdowns two years in a row. Doesn't throw interceptions. But then he's like grabbing his. But then he's kind of Johnny Manziel in some of his mannerisms, grabbing crotch and stuff. So, for what he aspires to be, I'm on Team Kansas. Kansas is just testing Baker Mayfield to see if he can be a franchise NFL yeah, quarterback. Get rid of your football program. I think Aaron Rodgers should be more subtle insults towards the rest of the division too. You beat the Bears. Just come up wearing like a giant bear hide. Yeah, I just wear this after every game. No big deal. <laughs> Just keeps me warm in the cold. <laughs> He's dressed up like Simba after beating the Lions. <laughs> I ain't lying. Snap. Tweet from Ed Kupfer. NBA statistical trends since 2002. He went back and compared the league what it is now versus what it was back then, 15 years ago. You know, free throw attempts way down. Three-pointers obviously way up. Number of percentage, uh, number of uh, possessions way, way up. Things like that. And it got me thinking... Is the NBA better than it was 15 years ago, or is it worse? And then I started thinking, are all sports better today, 
or let's say 15 years ago, were they better back in 02 or 20 years ago, however far, far you want to go back. So I will ask you, the four big pro sports, better today or 15 years ago with changes that have been made? Um, I think, in general, athletes get better, athletes get faster, they, they train better, and so athletes always get better, barring you know some other circumstance that I'm not foreseeing here. But I think hockey was more fun when the scoring was higher. So it's conflicting because is Sidney Crosby and is um, Alex Ovechkin and some of the star players we see now, are they better athletes and better overall players than even some of the top players you can think of from the 70s and 80s? Yes, because they're training more. But was the sport more fun when, when games were being played to six and seven goals on a nightly basis? Uh, than right now, in some ways, I, I I do sort of romanticize about higher scoring hockey games and and more offense in the NHL. So I'll I'll actually say NHL was better like 30 years ago in the in the scoring realm. Almost everything else, you know, basketball and baseball are a little bit too extremist, where you've got too many home runs now or too many home runs, strikeouts, walks, and not enough of the middle ground. And basketball has too many threes and layups and not enough of that nuanced middle ground. But I'd still take those two sports over what we maybe saw 15 or 20 years ago when nobody could shoot from distance in the NBA. And uh, when there was ambiguity over like steroids and we had another dead ball era five years ago in baseball where every pitcher in the league had a three ERA or better. Football unequivocally better now. The quarterback play is better more more pass happy offenses. It's just much more watchable than line them up in three yards in a cloud of dust. So that's my take. And tennis is far better now with replay. Darn replay is perfect much with yes. replay. Love I really replay. enjoy. I really enjoy a good match. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> nothing like a good tennis match. They could get get rid of that sport tomorrow, and I wouldn't miss it. Um, I will go through the four sports that I enjoy the most. NBA is better now. Uh, 15 years back, I think we were still de- dealing with uh, hand-checking a lot. We were dealing with a lot of garbage that slowed the game down a lot. The NBA is a better product. The athletes are superior, and the game itself is superior. NHL, you are recalling the 80s into the 90s. 15 years ago, scoring was to a point where it was getting really bad. Well, Dave said go back however far you well, want. Well, in all I all I know is that when I the, listen to the questions. When the Wilds when the Wilds started in 2000, the first game Flyers Wild, I'm watching it and I'm like this is garbage. This is awful. It's slow. It's 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 trapping. It's defensive. What happened to the NHL I knew? They have come much closer to replicating that now than they did then. So, hockey is better. Uh baseball was Better then, and I say that based on one thing. The games are too long now. I'm sorry, but for my taste, the games are too long. The games 15 years, 20 years back were quicker. We need to find a way to get back to getting games done in a decent fashion, and 315 is not decent. And football, you're exactly right. Way better now. See, the the length of game is not the problem. It's the pace within the length okay, of game. Whatever it's you like, want to call it, it you're in the, the ballpark too long. Because if the but Okay, but you're in the ballpark for like three or four hours. That's too Regardless. much. No, but if the game went from three and a half down to three, your life, you wouldn't even know that your life changed. If the game went from three and a half to an hour and a half, 
Okay, that's a big difference, but that's never going to happen. I'm telling you, I need to be... People make too big of a deal out of no, the length no, no, of no. games. 245, 250 max. That's so that, what we should be in so there So that for. 20 minutes is yes. a huge difference yes, in your life. That, yes, that is a major, major difference to a lot of people, including me. Yes, baseball, the pace of play, we, we can call it whatever we want it, but right now the games take too long and the pace of play is terrible, and the amount of trips that we now have to the mound, and there's so many ways to fix it. We need to find a way to expedite the game. Like, I agree that I don't need the catcher to come visit the mound eight times, and I don't need nine pitching coach visits. I agree with that. But I totally disagree that the extra 15 or 20 minutes is going to make a huge impact on people's lives. I, I think, think you get that. You get those puppies down to 245, everyone's happier. Judd's got places to be, things to do, people to I, see. I got an attention span business to adhere to, to, is what I got. Business deals to strike. An attention span to adhere to. All right. Let's talk about theft. 2014, Adam Thielen was a rookie in the NFL. He was Mr. Mankato. And we came up with this little gem. I can't stop this feeling Running across the seam Adam, you look so good In that purple 19 Good or bad, you can have your own opinions, but the fact is, that it is, was done. That's Grammy quality stuff right there. For the last few years, we've also done one of our favorite bits following every Packer loss. Go, Pack, go! Steve, how you doing? Hey, Steve. Or, hey, Bill. I'm on a You're bus Steve. on the way. I, there you go. I am Steve. <laughs> We have sources. We have ears all over the metro area that have reported back to us that even going back to last year, Packer Ventline replaying calls uh, from the the, uh, the fan in Milwaukee after Packers loss. <clears throat> well, that's a bit that was stolen by a certain noon to three show on a different uh, radio station in this market, KFXN, I believe, is yeah. the uh, station. And now we also have reports. He doesn't need to steal, too. He's creative enough. That's terrible. As of today, hooked on a feeling has been stolen. Wow. By 9 to noon. Oh. Yadot. Beat it. Wow. So my question is, boys, which are you more upset about? The fact that Packer Ventline has been stolen or hooked on a feeling has been stolen from our creative minds? Oh, for me, it's pretty simple. It'd be Packer Ventline. I mean, the Thielen thing, the name itself, I'm not surprised. And, you know, the fact that noon to three stole it surprised me just a little bit more. That guy's real good. There's nothing common about him. It's a very, very good show. I'm more surprised by that one. I'm offended by both, and I and I would tell you, and everyone listening, never at 1500 ESPN would we ever steal someone else's bit, except for Vikings Ventline. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I would like to think that they're good. You know, hopefully it'll continue to get better. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Howard with a rebound. Up and over by Kid Gilchrist. No good. Howard with a rebound and a dunk. Dwight Howard putting on a show. The rebounding got us probably more than anything. You know, it's a four-point game uh, going into the fourth. And you got to be at your best in the fourth. And the last two nights we haven't been. The big thing is going to be, you know, the defense and the rebounding. You know, it, there's going to be some nights, you know, we didn't shoot the three well. Uh, so 
uh, we have to be able to count on our defense and rebounding to win, particularly on the road. The rebounding's critical on the road. You've got to bring toughness, the rebound mentality uh, in order to win. You know what they say? The Wolves play as if they've already established themselves as a championship team. That's the one thing I've noticed. You, you watch the LeBron teams the last several years. And pretty rarely at the beginning of the year are they humming on all cylinders because they're pacing themselves for later in the season. The Warriors have already lost a bunch of games this year. You know, they, they're proven, they're established, they can kind of build up for April, May, and June. The Timberwolves, it's weird. It's like they take the fourth quarter off. They take certain, they've taken probably three or four different games off, it seemed like this year. That's at least three. Yeah. Well, tw- well not once last against- night, too. I mean, Detroit. Indiana. Indiana, yeah. Last night, maybe. So it just—I was texting back and forth with Manny uh, Manny Hill from the Ride with Royce, and he posed this question, and I think it's sort of interesting that there's clearly a disconnect between Tom Thibodeau and what he wants to teach and what he wants this thing to look like, and what it actually looks like, and what the players are doing. You know, I think Jimmy Butler is pretty keyed in on what's supposed to be happening, but you know, there's there's still a big disconnect between. The Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, and they're not, it's not operating to the degree that Tom Thibodeau wants it to operate. That's why they're 27th in the NBA in defensive net rating this year, and dead last in opponent field goal percentage, and 28th in fourth quarter defense. They're just a bad fourth quarter team. So why is it taking 100-plus games for them to be something other than like the worst defensive team in the NBA? And man, and they're still 10-7, and seven, and they're going to make the playoffs, and and maybe they're going to be flawed when they get in. But Manny asked via text, what if Tom Thibodeau is to the Wolves what Mark Jackson was to the Warriors, where he gets yeah. you to the 40 to 45-50 wins, which they're on pace for 45-50 wins, and you get that coach who improves the team with a bunch of really good young players, but you need that next coach to take them to the level that you eventually want them to get to, which is championships. Yeah. Um, to which I said to Manny, if that's the case, that's really bad news from a million different reasons. Number one, Glenn Taylor isn't savvy enough to find the Steve Kerr needed to take the team to the next level. Number two, the Warriors have great ownership and a front office structured already, and they just replaced the coach. And number three, Jimmy Butler is sort of tied at the hip to Tom Thibodeau, so maybe your best overall player wouldn't be too happy with that move. And so I'm not saying you do it right now, but it's something interesting to think about. Is this the coach to eventually get this team to where it's going to be because right now there's a disconnect. If if Manny is correct, if that is the case, it's organizational Armageddon. He's your president of basketball ops. He got Butler here. The Warriors took out the Warriors had a puzzle and the coach was a piece to the puzzle and they decided that that guy the piece didn't fit exactly right and they took him out and replaced him with Steve Kerr who fit perfectly and it hummed. If if Anybody goes to Tibbs now and says, Tibbs, I think you shouldn't coach this team. He's going to go ballistic, and he's not going to agree to that. And then if you say, okay, if you refuse to uh, to remove yourself as coach, Tom, we're going to r- remove you from the team. Well, now you've lost Butler. You've lost the guy who runs your entire team. So now you, you've got to go out and find a GM or slash uh, president of basketball ops and a coach as well. It is organizational Armageddon. Everything that this uh, franchise has done is tied around the fact that Thibodeau is supposed to beat the guy. And if he's not the guy, he's not a piece. He is the puzzle. Yeah, and I'm just wondering why some of these things are taking so long to, to well, be something I've better than horrific. Oh, oh, 
so so we keep going back now. Um, Corzo does especially in saying the sample size is big now. It's it's a season plus this year so far. Here's my question for you: If you break that down, how entirely fair is that given how much this roster has changed? And and I get they this, shouldn't be dead last in some of these categories. I get that. Or I get, third to I last. Get, I get that. But is it painting with too broad a brush? To to say that last year and this year go hand hand in hand is that a little bit too I think, aggressive? I, I think with uh, yeah I know I I think with like Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, you you've seen some spark there a little bit. You I think you see the game against the Spurs last week, and there is just a different energy level from those guys on defense. So you do see certain aspects and certain sparks, and in a lot of ways, a year and a half with the change in personnel is not an adequate amount of time to so I I'm conflicted because part of my answer is no you got to you got to let this thing go into December January before you can start to get a feel for what it what it feels and looks like but if we're talking about supposedly one of the great defensive masterminds in the NBA and a guy whose sole job is to implement and teach and coach his system and philosophy a year and a half and we're not talking about a league average defense that really, man, we'd like to be number one in the league, and we're sitting here league average. We're talking about 27th in the league out of 30 teams in defensive rating the last two years. We're talking about one in every three shots from opponents coming at point-blank range. They're letting opponents walk to the rim mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Dead last in fourth quarter, plus-minus net rating. Um, these are things that... You know, I think it's okay to point these things out as being big indictments on Tom Thibodeau, and he can't he can't just go blame the players. Like it's your job to 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 get the message across in a way that resonates. So it's, I think it's okay to say that, and also want to be patient still just, and, give, and give some more time. I'm just cautioning that if we if if it's decided that it's not going to work, you're looking at blowing things up essentially again with a few very nice components, a few very nice players. But if you say, you know what? His defense is antiquated. It doesn't work. Players don't get it. Players don't like it. Whatever the case, if that is going to be your stance and you're going to say he does not work because you cannot, he's not going to say, all right, you know what? You're right. I'll I'll go be GM essentially. He's going to say I'm gone. Well, I'm, I'm taking the buyout. So nobody in this room is saying I get that. But what I'm blow saying, it all up. But what I'm but what I'm saying is if if it is deemed that he doesn't work, you are blowing it up to a large degree. Well, okay, I and think, I'm not saying that you're saying that. What I'm but you see enough frustrated Wolves fans that I don't know that they get that the step is okay. If he goes, this entire thing now again has to be redone. You you are taking the puzzle and you are breaking it all apart. Okay, I know I, that's way ahead of this. Like, I I don't want the conversation to be. Are they going to blow it up? I I I think the the text exchange that Manny and I had was was not like this year. I think it was down the road. If this you know in two years or whatever, if this team still there's just a there's a dissonance there between the coach and the players. I want to know why is it? What's missing? I know that you've got you've, you you need time to gel and. You definitely have some guys who are still fairly young, although they're they're not 19 years old anymore. But what are the missing ingredients that are preventing you from being competent defensively? Not elite or the the late 80s Pistons or the five years ago well, Bulls, just competent defensively. But, Veterans, but you supremely are, talented but you young are, players. You are sometimes, Phil. 
I mean, well, you're we, 27th in the league. I get that, but we saw last week against the Spurs, we saw an example of where it clicked and it worked. Mm-hmm. So there are times where it does work. So the question the question becomes how can you have this defense be competent be competent on a consistent enough basis to not even get you top 5. Let's just say you're 15th. How do you get there? Cuz we've seen it. I mean, the Spurs game last week is a game that if you go back and watch, the Timberwolves lose that game last year. There's no doubt in my mind. They fall apart in the fourth, and they're done. And instead of that happening, they came in, Butler came back in, made a couple of nice defensive plays on a night he couldn't shoot at all, but made a couple of good defensive plays and stabilized things completely. So my question is, how do you get this group of players back at a point where they can maintain that consistency? Because that will get you, let's say, the 15th. We've got to get to the why here. And the why is either his defensive system, because it's not for lack of physical or or roster-like capabilities. They've got Taj Gibson playing well and Jimmy Butler, two guys who know the system, who can be bridges from Tom Thibodeau to the players, so that those are perfect pieces to help communicate this, and guys who can play 40 minutes a night if they need to and play at a high level. And then you've got some of the most talented and also athletically capable players like Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, and like even you know Jeff Teague is established. He's kind of he's not exactly a defensive stopper. You know, I don't think anybody would consider him that. I want to get to the why. Okay. If it was a bunch of Kevin Loves out there, I know why you suck at defense. You can't you just can't keep up with other players offensively. That's not this team's problem. Like you mentioned, when they were willing against the Spurs. So is it that that some of these guys aren't understanding the team defense principles and that it just takes a while to teach and instill? Is it that Tom Thibodeau is a bad teacher and a bad motivator because he just lurks and bellows on the sideline the entire game and doesn't have a downshift? Is it that they hear and they understand what they're supposed to do, but they just don't like him, and so they aren't invested in winning for him? It, I want to know why. It's 17 games, though. Go go back to what you said at the beginning of the, the year and all the instances you found of teams that have had key components brought in and how long it took them. I think you're asking the question too soon. I think the frustration I get, I get why when you watch this team against the Pacers and the Pistons and and meltdown on Sunday again and meltdown last night. I understand the frustration, but your point in the first week of the season is also still valid, which is as frustrated as you might get, you've got to give it some time to to see if, if there is a why or if the question just becomes, how do you get to that place? Well, I mean, we we're in lockstep in a lot of things on this conversation. To ask why they're so bad defensively with the premier defensive mastermind as he's been branded the last 10 years in the NBA as their GM or as their president of basketball ops and coach, Mm -hmm. it ain't too early to ask that question. It's too early to call for his head, I think. But it ain't too early to say, why are you giving up 25 and 20 to Dwight bleeping Howard in 2017? And all all I'm saying is from what you said in, in the first week, I think that question becomes a lot more easy to start asking 25 to 30 games in. I think right now it's a fair question, but it also might solve itself. We'll see. We will see. I hope it does because this team could be a lot more fun to watch if if they wouldn't lose games to the Pistons twice and the Hornets. And they shouldn't. Um, Roster moves for the Wild when Mm -hmm. we come back that are uh, coming across. And, uh, you know, we're watching NFL Live right now. Hey, look, Mike Golick's on NFL Live. 
Not a day off for that guy. Um, is that going to be part of his new gig? We're watching this on a TCL 55-inch Roku TV, and it's the best sports viewing entertainment system you're going to find on the market. And there's a reason why TCL TVs are exploding all across the country and all across the world. Not like literally exploding, that would be bad, but the brand is blowing up in a good way. It's the third largest TV company in the world and America's fastest growing TV company. And you can find out for yourself if you just go into any major local retailer in the Twin Cities and uh, ask about TCL TVs. A built-in Roku device, which gives you access to 4,000-plus streaming channels and 450,000-plus movies and TV shows. So get in. It's if you want if, if you want the best sports viewing experience, uh, bar none, TCL TVs. So TCLUSA.com and any major local retailer. Mackie and Judd now continue. I think all the pieces are there. On 1500 ESPN. If you would like to win a 55-inch TCL Roku TV, here's what you do. You join Mackie at Spring Street Tavern in Minneapolis from 2 to 4 this Saturday for the Ultimate College Football Viewing Party with Dos Equis. Come enjoy an ice cold one and register to win that new TV. Put game day over everything this college football season with Dos Equis, the official beer sponsor of the college football playoffs. More details at 1500ESPN.com. Well, you certainly would like other people to score, and you got to believe that there's other people going to start scoring. But uh, it's it's not hard if you're the other, other team, and they... Uh, and they and they just check certain amount of guys if the other guys aren't going to score. But I mean, um, when you to score goals in this league, you sometimes have to pay the price and go to the net and take one off the the noodle or take one off the ass or something. But if you go to the net, those are the things that that happen. You don't get those goals by uh, standing on the outside. There it is. There it is, boys. That's, that's what we call Bruce Boudreau. Greasy goals, boys. That's what we call them. Greasy that, goals. That's one of the that right there. That's exposing you, diehard puckheads. That's one of the top coaches in the you entire world. You get in front of that. No, telling you he's no. hoping that a puck goes off yes. someone's ass. In, right, Dave. In front of the net. Did you hear yeah. what I heard? That's in front of the net. One of the top coaches in the world saying, uh, "I don't have any great scheme. I just want a puck to go off someone's leg because and into the net." Because you're working hard and you camp yourself in front of the goaltender and it goes off your butt or or your head. Can you imagine if the, if the football fine. just ping-ponged off like five guys and it landed across the goal line and you got seven points for that? You know what? Wouldn't that be amazing? You know what? There is nothing your wrong. Sport. There is nothing wrong with a goal going off your helmet. Okay, As you're in front of the net. You're parked in front of the net. Goes off the old noodle uh, and it goes in and it's just fine. Yeah. So Boudreaux was talking about the fact that uh, I, I gave you the stat earlier. In the last seven games, the Wild has 16 goals by its forward forwards, and that comes from four different guys. Zucker's got eight. Nino's got four. Stahl's got two. And Granlund actually scored two last night. We've had roster moves made today in reaction to the lack of scoring. No. Zach Mitchell, a forward from Iowa, who led the Iowa team with uh, five goals and 16 points, called up. Uh, my guy, Cunning, has been sent down. Luke Cunning sent down. Also sent down, this one actually more in- intriguing to me, Jewel Erickson Eck, who has been your uh, third-line center so far, also sent down. Uh, Charlie Coyle came mm. back last night. I'm telling you, here's all I want to see. This is so simple. The next time the Wild goes to o- overtime, the, the old three-on-three, don't send Miko and Suter out there, okay? Last night that drove me crazy. They are not fast enough. You want, As I said at the start of the show, what do you want? You want guys who are fast. You want guys who can get the puck. And this is not—you don't start OT thinking, 
let's play as much three-on-three as we possibly can. You think, how can I end this game as soon as possible? Zucker, Spurgeon, and and Granlin. That'll solve have the Granlin Have Granlin take the face the off. Yes. You want, it's so simple. You want to get the puck. You want to possess the puck. You want to shoot as fast as you can. And you want to do what the Devils did last night, which is 50-some-odd seconds into the overtime. You want to end the game. What's That's their, what I want What's see. their record in overtime and uh, I'll, shootouts? I'll look that up, Brad Shelters. Hold on a second. Do uh, the old uh, uh, Tahi. Uh, Tahi. Uh, uh, it's, in um, fairness, New Jersey is uh, off to a surprisingly good start, though, nice this team. season, right? New Jersey's a very nice team. They lead the Metropolitan Division. Okay, that, hey, let me go on a bit of a hockey rant here. The Metropolitan I Division. I love that name. Metropolitan? You've got the Atlantic? So that, that's, The Metropolitan, the Central, What does that even Pacific. mean? I know that it's like upper, it's like Northeast yeah, or New East. New Jersey, you got Columbus, you got Pittsburgh, it should just the be, Islanders. It should just be teams from big cities. I like <laughs> LA, New York, you know what? Chicago. Don't, don't take out the fact that the NHL has some Your creativity. Your sport is so dumb, dude. My, you know what? I call my sport out constantly for dumb things. I love the Metropolitan. I love the name of the Metropolitan Division. I, name those teams again. You've got the Jerseys. You've, You've got, got the, the Columbus. Islanders. Columbus, Pittsburgh, the Islanders, Washington Capitals. Yeah, Carolina, Pittsburgh is so metropolitan. The, the booming metropolis I of Columbus, love, Ohio. I love the name. You guys are not going to ruin my day. I love the Metropolitan Division. <laughs> My sport does a lot of stupid things, okay? I'm more than willing to admit that. My commissioner can be a moron. The best coach, one of the best coaches oh. in the world, begging for a puck to go off someone's elbow pad. It's that's, got, that's what you have. We call that's it, the offensive it's strategy a, it's for a your greasy favorite sport. Goal. You, gotta get in the, you know what? If the Wolves scored more greasy baskets, they'd win more games. <laughs> Actually, they probably score too many greasy baskets. they got to step back yeah. and knock a three down yeah, once, three in a while. once in a while. It's all They're about, like one of 15 to start the game yesterday from downtown. you know what the Wolves' problem is? The Wolves' problem, defensively, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to hockey it up for you. Compete level. The compete level's not there. They don't grind enough on defense. Oh See, if they would grind more, if they would compete more on defense, the Wolves would have more than 10 wins. I'm with you, Judd. Metropolitan's a cool name. Just don't it. put Columbus in it. Okay, you know what? I'm fine with that. That's your, That's a not uh We should have. It should be request. Metropolitan, Rust Belt. Um, I think we could, you know, we could really, and then you wouldn't have to worry about locations. If teams move, that's fine. I love as long as you move to a big city, you can stay in the metropolitan. I love division. good division names. The metropolitan division is a great name for a division. I think it's fantastic. I love that we have central, but then we go Atlantic and metropolitan. Atlantic, Coastal. Atlantic bores me. Central Pacific metropolitan, I'm fine with. Atlantic just sort of bores me. <laughs> I love. You know what? Uh, Vikings Sorry. are number four in the ESPN NFL Live Power Rankings. If anyone cares, there up two free. spots. So, uh, all right, we're back tomorrow pre-game for show the tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow's the Turkey of the Year pregame preview show. Don't miss it. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for forty or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.